We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. IB Nation, welcome back to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. It's Monday. It's a new week, June 12th. we got a lot going on. That's that dude, Sean Davis, from the Lucky Lefty Podcast. I'm Brian Driscoll, and we have a lot to talk about today. Just to give everybody a quick heads up, though, now, normally Monday is recruiting hour, but with Ryan having been out on paternity leave, I wanted to give him kind of an extra day to get caught up with everybody that visited this weekend, kind of just get his feet wet. I didn't want to throw him right into the fire and be like, put some intel out, right? So we will actually have the recruiting hour tomorrow where we'll recap the visits from yesterday. If you all want to ask some of the questions in the in the message board, we'll have, we'll have a mailbag, excuse me, afterwards. So if you have some of the questions about this weekend, we'll, we'll discuss some of them. But we're going to have the main stuff tomorrow, and we'll obviously have Ryan preview upcoming weekend visits and then get a chance to give him – uh, some time to share his opinion about all the commitments and things that have happened <laughs> since he's been out. So uh, certainly it's been a busy time. But today, Sean, you and I were talking, what was it, Friday, Saturday? We're on the phone. We're just like yelling at each other back. Not yelling at each <laughs> other, but yelling to each other about just what we're fired up about. And that's what today's topic is going to be. And and it's not so much, Sean, as we look at Notre Dame and how Sam Hartman is viewed and how Notre Dame is viewed. And you know, there's some things that I'm like, I understand it. And it's not so much the rankings of some of these that I have a problem with. Some of the rankings are just atrocious and they deserve to be chastised. But even sometimes when they rank them in a range, I'm like, yeah, I can live with that. The way that they express the concern is like, did you really just like slap me in the face as you complimented me? Like, really? Like, and just the utter lack of respect that Notre Dame has in some of these evaluations and and it got to the point, Sean, where it kind of hit us, where it's like these people genuinely think that Sam Hartman has taken a step down to go to Notre Dame from Wake Forest. That's literally how it's being written. So we're going to dive into that today because I just feel like there's a lot of disrespect, and I'm going to be honest with you. I hope the players are reading it. I really do. I hope the wide receivers read every single one of these evaluations and just come in pissed off, ready to show the world, because – uh, these rankings are getting absurd. And, you know, it, it kind of began, Sean, with 
we looked at the ESPN, those tier rankings from David Hale, and you just kind of roll your eyes. It's ESPN. But then you just kind of start seeing more and more of this. And, and I finally, I finally kind of went off like, okay, we're doing a show about this when the athletic released their rankings. And and you look at it, and they have they have Sam Hartman to see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelfth as the number twelve quarterback in the country, a tier four quarterback, someone who is closer to Tanner Mordecai and Tuya Talia Tungavaloa than he is Jaden Daniels or KJ Jefferson or Frank Harris or Grayson McCall. And then you combine that with the other tiered article from ESPN, which had a number 21. And you, you just start and then you read the reasons why. And you're like, this is getting absurd. And it just got to the point where where once I read that that the athletic Bruce Feldman, the Stuart Mandel, one of the guys I have respect for it, the other not so much. You're just like, okay, this is just getting stupid. What are we doing here? How was how the guy that's 19th and 18th in, all, in, in NCAA history all time in passing yards and passing touchdowns a tier four quarterback? Like, seriously, what, what are we doing here? How, how is this guy behind Grayson freaking McCall, who's played one game against a power five opponent the last two years, you know, who averaged 5.0 yards per attempt last year against Marshall? You know what I mean? Like, what, what are we doing here? So, Devin Leary? You know, Devin Leary is ahead of Sam Hartman right now. Devin Leary at Kentucky. So, uh, you know, and, and again, Devin Leary is a guy that I used to be very high on. But really, after an injury at a new system, you're going to rank him ahead of Sam Hartman? Come on now. So it, it's just getting to the point, Sean, where the disrespect for Notre Dame, it's the dis- disrespect for Sam Hartman is almost like it's more about Notre Dame than it is Sam Hartman at this point in time. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code balance10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. And I, for one, Brian, have taken a stand with Sam Harbin myself of wait and see for multiple reasons. You asked me preseason where I haven't ranked the returning quarterbacks. He was at number six for me. And he was at number six for me because every year there's one quarterback that comes out of nowhere, a red shirt freshman. So Drake made last year. Yeah, I'm anticipating things like that happen. So five, six, four to six, I wouldn't have any problem with anyone that had him between that range. But I will say, and this is something that I stand on, Notre Dame is the prize in this relationship. Mm-hmm. Like Sam Harbin's an upgrade, but Sam Harbin's coming to a really good football team. You know, this yeah. football team walked into the horseshoe and almost pulled it off without efficiency at the quarterback. Well, Tyler played, he actually played decent. The offensive line didn't play well, but without getting too deep into that, right. without Great quarterback play. They almost went on the road and pulled off one of the biggest. That would have been one of the biggest. Yeah, that would have been a huge upset in most people's eyes. So when you say all of that and you get him into the the the, the fray of your team, I understand the excitement. I understand yeah. the people saying the Heisman talk and national sure. championship sure. this nature. But there are some things you have to take a step back from a football standpoint and said, let's see how this transitions. Sure. Let's see now that we have a new coordinator for the offense. Let's see what he's all about and what he wants to do. And for me, if most of the national media had taken that stance, instead of being so bullish on a lot of their thoughts, with not only Sam Hartman, but some of the pieces he's surrounded by, I would be okay with it. If you just flat out said, you know what? We really don't know what Notre Dame is going to be. We don't know. New coordinator. Hartman's going to a new system, no longer in the mesh system. He's going to have to adjust a little bit. Let's see what they have. I would be cool with that. But they're being a little bit too bullish and beyond disrespectful. Yeah. Putting them behind some of the quarterbacks that you mentioned earlier. It's like, what are we talking about? Like, even if you want to take the number of interceptions he had over the last two years, you have to look at the fact that he's at Wake Forest. He is forced to be the best player on the field every game to give his team a chance to win. No kind of run game support None. whatsoever. Terrible defense. I, I, you know, like, and, and here's the thing, Sean. It, it's like, to your point, there can, for people to say, well, hey, let's see how he transitions to the new offense. That's, that's fair. My problem is you're not doing it consistently. For example, in the the article uh, from The Athletic, how are you going to have Devin Leary in Tier 3 and Sam Hartman in Tier 4 below him? Now, look, Devin Leary had a very good year. We had Devin Leary ranked very high going into last season. But guess what? He got hurt again and played terrible before he got hurt. I mean, that's a fact. He's had one good year in the ACC. Sam Hartman has had three very good years in the ACC. And so it's just one of those things where, you know, the, the year that Devin Leary had the great year, 35 touchdowns, 3,400 3, yards, 
he had minus 73 yards rushing, which meant he had a thir- little over 3,300 total yards and had 37 touchdowns. Do you remember what Sam Hartman's numbers were that season? I mean, they were significantly better that season than what Devin Leary was. Sam Hartman went out that year and had 4,228 yards passing, 363 yards rushing, and 50 touchdowns, right? And so to me, the thing that that Sam Hartman, where he won me over last year, Sean, is because he did have to put that team on his shoulder so much more, even than years before because of the lack of running game and the offensive line really struggled because he had a veteran offensive line in 2021. And he had a, a, a not one say, a, let me take that. I was about to say a good defense. Uh, no, he didn't have a good defense. He had a better defense in 2021. Statistically, it wasn't a whole lot better, but they had some nice players. You, you come out this year and they don't have the same talent on defense and they get, I mean, you're talking about a guy, Sean, the last two years has been a part of 19 wins as a quarterback. It's put up the numbers he has, and he's never played on a defense that's given up fewer than 28 points a game. Right? And and, and that's the thing that frustrates me. I mean, literally, this is the this is the points per game his defense has allowed in his three years as his full-time starting quarterback. 32.8, 28.9, and And then you look at like the, the ground attack that they've had in his three years. 163 yards per game, 3.9 per carry. 160 and a half yards per game, 4.0 yards per carry, 131.1 yards per carry, uh, per game, 3.4 yards per carry. And so the frustration that I have is th- it's a lazy analysis. You want to talk about Notre Dame's got some unproven receivers. That's fine. We have people in this chat. We are not Marshall's talking about that. Now, my counter to that is people put too much on proven production of receiver. I think that's a mistake. And I think you can go out and look at the history of college football, especially the last 10 years, but even just at Notre Dame. And I and I continue to point this out. There are some positions where a lot of experience, Sean, is necessary. There are other positions where it's more about the talent and the opportunity. And receiver is one of those positions. And, and you want to, okay, Golden Tate's six catches for 100, 100 and some yards his first year, right? Goes out the next year, 58 catches, 1,080 yards, 10 touchdowns. Will Fuller, six catches for like 160 yards, one touchdown as a freshman in 2013. Goes out there the next year as like, what, 76 catches for like 1,094 yards and 15 touchdowns, right, in year two. Equinemy St. Brown, one catch for eight yards in 2015. Goes out there the next year in only 12 games, like 59 catches, 960-some yards, nine touchdowns. And with all due respect, Tobias Merriweather has as much, if not more, talent than Equinemi St. Brown. At the very least, even if you say, well, hey, he ain't Will Fuller and he's not Golden Tate. Okay, fair. Can you at least say he's somewhat on par with Equinemi St. Brown? You know, you've seen Jaden Thomas. You've seen these other guys play. And so, but if you want to have that question, Sean, that's fair. It's a fair question. Hey, they're going to have to replace Tyler Buckner. I mean, excuse me, uh, Michael Mayer. They're going to have to replace, you know, we don't know how Chris Tyree is going to transition. Those are all fair things to talk about while completely ignoring the fact that he had to do all that. And they talk about the interceptions. Well, you you kind of, if you had that team and you had no run game to speak of, you had no defense to speak of, and you were, you know, the two previous years at, at Wake Forest, we've pointed this out, you know, they went out against North Carolina in, the year, in 2021 and, and scored 55 points and lost. They went out against North Carolina in 2020 and scored 53 points and lost. Scored 42 against NC State and lost. They scored 45 against Clemson this year and lost. Scored 34 against North uh, North Carolina this year and lost. Scored 31 this year against Duke and lost. 
And it's like, yeah, you're going to throw some interceptions when everything is riding on you. And to completely ignore the fact that this is going to be by far the best run game and the best defense he's ever played with and not take that into account and only focus on this, again, shows me it's lazy analysis, but it's a clear bias. Because how are you going to have J.J. McCarthy in the top five and have him be a tier two quarterback, tier three quarterback, and completely ignore that his entire level of success is built upon essentially he plays with a great running game and a great defense that takes the pressure off of him. He threw 22 touchdowns last year. 22. Sam Hartman can do that like in almost half a year the year before when he's had 50 touchdowns. And those are the things. And let me let me be clear about this too. JJ McCarthy had 22 touchdowns passing last year, and he played in 15 games, correct? 14 games. That's right, because they got beat by TCU when he threw two pick sixes. That's a team that threw, scored 40 points per game last year, and their quarterback only threw 22 touchdowns. And he only, and, and, oh, he's a, he's a good runner. Yeah, okay. He ran for five touchdowns. He ran for 306 yards. Do I need to remind you again what Sam Hartman did in 2021, the year that he led his team to a conference championship game? You know, the year when he threw for 4,200 yards and 39 touchdowns and rushed for 363 yards and 11 touchdowns. So, like, let's not act like he's some stiff standing back there in the pocket either, Sean. And so that's the other thing that fires me up is it, it leads into there's a there's a, a level of laziness plus disrespect that you're going to focus on this position group, completely ignoring just the last decade plus of experience not meaning a whole lot at wide receiver and completely ignoring the fact that, that the other parts that he's – even if we were to accept the premise that the receivers at Notre Dame are not going – are not as good – at as what he had at Wake Forest, which from a pro- proven production standpoint is inarguable. Right. You can't argue that. Right. Now we can argue the talent's better, whatever, but if we're just even accept that premise to completely ignore the gap in talent between Wake and Notre Dame, if you even accept that premise, because he had a good receiving core last year and it wasn't just it wasn't just A.T. Perry. If you're gonna completely ignore that or look at that and accept that, what do you think is greater? The gap between the talent between Wake Forest and the receivers that he had that Notre Dame has, or the talent that that Notre Dame has at running back and offensive line and defense compared <laughs> to where Wake was. So we just go ignore that and focus that you think Wake has better players. Which again, I'll even grant you that premise for the sake of conversation because from a because from a proven production standpoint, they're very good. And I'm not going to start tearing down the group of receivers that I've always praised because I like those receivers. And so, well, Sam Hartman made them better. He did. But they still had to make those catches. Yeah, when he was throwing balls in the tight windows. They still had to make those catches. So those are the things that frustrate me as well, Sean. Is it's a it's a laziness and an utter disrespect for the fact that that this entire pack you're acting like he again. Let's let's give an example, Sean. I'm going to read an example of what of what's got me fired up. This is a comment from David Hale at ESPN. This is literally something that an editor at ESPN said. Yeah, let's publish this. He said, much has been made of Hartman's adjustment to a new offensive system after so much success in Wake Forest slow mesh option, but that may overlook the bigger change to his offensive surroundings. In five seasons at Wake Forest, Hartman played with five different receivers who finished with at least 1,000 yards. Notre Dame has had just 1,000-yard receivers since 2015. While Notre Dame may be the team with more blue-chip talent, the Deacons surrounded Hartman with some top-tier receivers. So, it wasn't Sam Hartman that made them thousand yard receivers, and it's not the offense he plays in. It's oh, they just have all these better players. He literally is stating that Sam Hartman is going to Notre Dame, 
and he's going to be surrounded by less talent. That's literally the argument that that guy just made on ESPN. Look, as I said previously, if you want to take a step back and you have question marks that cause you to pause, that given the overall analysis of the Notre Dame offense and how Sam Hartman is going to look, by all means, do so. But as you said, it's lazy upon David Hale to sit there and assume that Sam Hartman, as good as he is, can produce five different 1,000-yard receivers at a school like Wake Forest. But heaven forbid, there's no way it can happen at Notre Dame. There's no way a 1,000-yard receiver can pop on the scene at Notre Dame. There's no way with better protection from two first-round tackles and a young interior on the offensive line that's extremely talented. There's no way that run game can help him in a play action. No way. There's no way wide receivers can be running a little bit further wide open with the assistance of this run game and this offensive line than what he saw at Wake Forest. There's no way that can happen. And it begs to ask the question, you know, what are you exactly looking for? What are you looking for, right? Because if you really can't attack Sam Hartman and his record at the ACC, but the only way to uh, approve your tier four ranking is to pretty much say what he's going to is trash or less than what he's had. Yeah, forget the blue chip rankings, but there are better players at Wake Forest. Based, based upon what? I mean, I love A.D. Perry. Loved A.D. Perry as a wide receiver at Wake Forest. Very productive, right? I would be, You would be hard-pressed. You're on mute, but you would be. You, I just started listing other talents. I mean, Keyshawn Williams is a yeah. good player. Taylor Moran yeah. is a good player, right? Yeah, exactly. But yes, continue. You'd be hard pressed to find if you could get one receiver to equal what AD Perry averaged over the last two seasons in receptions, yards, and touchdowns. You're cooking with grease at Notre Dame. Chancey Stucky would probably run and do a lap around the stadium in the middle of the game if he got that type of production from a wide receiver in the Notre Dame wide receiver room. But what we're talking about here is we're talking about the inability of the national media to properly look at. See, this is the thing we've seen in the recruiting rankings. They don't even pay attention from a film standpoint to who signs with Notre Dame. They don't, right? Jane Greathouse is still a tight end according to ESPN. So they have no clue. I bet you they didn't even watch Sam Hartman and Jaden Greathouse in the blue and gold game. They didn't even see the connection. No, that couldn't be a promising connection. Maybe that's something you could have put in this article, right? But when you watch the film, you see the opportunities for Sam Hartman to become a better and more efficient quarterback. And then another thing, let's stop this putting Sam Hartman in Notre Dame's previous offense. That's being done a lot as well. Now, people are trying to extrapolate what's going to happen with Notre Dame's offense, but they're trying to use Tommy Reese yeah. and the previous offense with Sam Hartman can, to do so. Can I? Because I want to go there. I, I want you to transition there, Sean, because that's something that Jordan Reed wrote about, somebody that you and I have a lot of respect for. We've had him on the show, mm-hmm. uh, and we've praised him in the past. But even he said something like that that frustrates me. But I want to I want to point out something else. Let's. I'm going to give you the ES. If we're going to look at recruiting rankings just for ESPN, Mm-hmm. This is this is the number rank. This is the ranking for the Notre Dame wide receiver core 
according to ESPN's rankings. <laughs> the freshmen. The incoming no, no, no. freshmen? The oh. whole roster. The whole roster. The whole okay. depth chart. Chris Tyree was the number 30 player in the country coming out of high school. Braylon James, number 60. Deion Colsey, number 75. Jaden Greathouse, number 122. Tobias Merriweather, number 186. Jaden Thomas, number 218. Rico Flores, number 227. Mm-hmm. Those are those are where they had those guys ranked coming out of high school. So you're talking about an entire receiving core that, uh, that your network ranked really high doesn't have the ability to be more productive with a better quarterback. Holden Stace, number 278 player in the country at tight end coming out of high school, right? I mean, so you're, you're literally surrounding him with very talented players at every position. Uh, Cooper Flanagan, a top ESPN top 300 player coming out of high school. I'm not going to do, I'm not going to do Eli Raritan because we don't know if he's going to be healthy this year. You're talking about Audric Estime. I believe they had as a four-star player as well. He's a very proven player. Does anyone want to is going to argue to me that 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 Audric Estime is not better than anyone that Sam Hartman has ever played with at running back? Significantly so. I mean, those those are the things that that you look at, Sean, and it just gets to the point where it's like, are you even trying at this point in time, or are you purposely doing this? And the laziness that they that they do it. To, ESPN had Sam Hartman as the number 21 quarterback in the country. They had him behind Al- – they called it situations, quarterback situations. They only listed the starters. Like I saw a ranking from, I believe, 247 Sports, where they ranked the top quarterback rooms, and they didn't have Notre Dame in the top 10. And I said, you know what? That's fair. Because, like, they had Ohio State higher. And I said, okay, I wouldn't have Ohio State higher. But you have an idea of the who the one-two is at Ohio State, and they're talented kids. And then they brought in a talented and highly ranked freshman. You look at Washington, they had a 10th. Why do they have Washington so low when they rank Michael Penix so high? Because there's an unprovenness behind him. Okay, that's fair. We can have that debate because there are questions now about what happens if Sam Hartman goes down. And I thought the way they worded that, because they didn't say Sam Hartman number 10, they said Notre Dame or Washington number 10, Ohio State number 9, like that. Like LSU's quarterback room should be ranked higher than Notre Dame's right now, even though none of their quarterbacks are as good as Sam Hartman, in my opinion. But they're in a situation where if Jaden Daniels goes down or falters, you're putting in a pretty good proven quarterback and Nussmeyer next. Much better situation than where Notre Dame is. Let's be honest about that. So this isn't center saying, whoa, Notre Dame's this. It's There's a way to say it. But when you're going to say quarterback situations and then only list the starters, basically, and then you're going to say whoever starts at Alabama is going to be rent, is going to be better than Wake Forest. That's literally what ESPN did. They had the Alabama room that included includes Tyler Buckner, who right now is the leading candidate to start. A guy that got beat out by Sam Hartman in 15 practices is going to go to Alabama and be better because of their history of quarterback play, while ignoring John Parker Wilson, Greg McElroy, Blake Sims. Jacob Coker, and we're just going to act like Alabama's whole entire history of quarterback plays the last three years, right? I mean, come on, guys. That darn you know, Jacob. That ahead of Sam Hartman. That darn Coker won a national championship, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. By doing a lot of this. Right. The Heisman Trophy winner. Right, right. A lot of this. Right. Derrick Henry. And, and that's the thing about it, Deshaun. That's just, and again, 
you're 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 taking the 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 offensive coordinator from there that was at Notre Dame last year. Mm-hmm. And it just I'm I'm so sick and tired of the laziness and the disrespect that goes to Notre Dame. I really am. And for a while there, I was like, you know what? It is what it is. I, I'll live with it. But it's to the point now where it's just getting freaking stupid. And it's just starting to piss me off, to be completely honest with you. And that's why we're doing the show today. It's because I'm just I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the disrespect. I hope the players read all of it. But when you read some of these things about Hartman and you read some of the shots they take at him, it, 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 it's, it's, it's partly Notre Dame, but it's also partly these guys are just there's a lot of people that just don't know football that now pass as college football, you know, analysts. If Stuart Mandel wants to go out there and write, you know, write a, a press conference story or report news, go for it. You're a reporter. Uh-huh. But stop pretending that you know football. You know who else he had in tier four? Jordan Travis. This is a direct <laughs> quote that he said. Travis turns out no shortage of highlight plays, but I'd like to see him perform better in big games. He struggled against Clemson and Florida last season. Okay. Um, did he struggle against Florida? Because when I looked, Sean, I could have swore. I could have swore. It's pretty high scoring game, right? Yes. And you know what it is? Here's here's why he's he's this is why I say a guy like him's clueless. He saw 13 for 30. That's what Jordan Travis was throwing the football. But you know what he ignored? That on those 13 completions. He put through for 270 yards in a touchdown. You know what else he did that game, Sean? He rushed for 83 yards and two touchdowns. So a guy that had 350 yards of offense accounted for three touchdowns and a 45-point output in a win mm-hmm. over the guy that was the number four freaking draft pick in the NFL draft struggled in that game. Like, it's just... That's part of it, too, is there's just people that just don't know what the heck they're doing, doing analysis now. And it's just I, I'm I'm so over it. And, and his struggle, he didn't play great against Clemson. No, he but didn't. But he lost 34 to 28. He passed for 254 yards, had two touchdowns, also rushed for 64 yards and a touchdown. So in the two games that you quoted him as struggling, he had over 300 yards of offense and had three touchdowns in both of those games. In a win and a six-point loss. Yeah. Like, what What are we doing here? What are we doing here? And his comments about, about Hartman were just interceptions. Again, showing no, no idea of the offense in which he plays. And then you're going to talk about, okay, well, if you're going to ding him for, for big games, are, are we going to just ignore that Sam Hartman absolutely, you know, because you, you mentioned Clemson is a big game, right? That was, that was your thing. Not my thing. That's your thing. You're the uh-huh. one that said Clemson was a big game, right? All right, Stuart? So we just going to ignore the fact that last year Sam Hartman threw 300 for 337 yards, had 347 yards of total offense and six touchdowns with zero interceptions while putting up 45 points against Clemson last year. So where's the consistency here? You're worried about him turning over. Well, what did he do in the biggest game of the year? If you're going to say, well, Jordan Thomas Travis put up numbers, but he didn't play well in big games, I'm going to say to you, uh, false. That's nonsense. <laughs> Absolute nonsense that you're going to say that to me right now at this point in time, because I can point to you big games where he did put up numbers. And I think even your entire premise is incorrect on this one, but if that's going to be your premise for this, mm-hmm. well, Jordan Travis only threw five interceptions last year. I thought you cared about not throwing a lot of interceptions. Oh, well, you're ding- dinging Jordan Travis for not playing well in big games. Well, um, last I checked, 
And, and when did LSU not become a big game? You know that game where Jordan Travis went 20 of 33 for 260 yards, two touchdowns, yes. and ran for 31 yards? Is that yes. not a big game either? Yes. Does that not count as a big game for him? And and so if you care about big games and not turning the ball over, we're we just going to ignore the fact that Sam Hartman threw for 337 yards and six touchdowns with no picks against Clemson. We can ignore that Sam Hartman went on the road last year and threw for 234 yards, two touchdowns, no picks against Florida in a in a 10-point road win over Florida State. We just can ignore that completely, huh? Okay. Sure. All right. Let's just go ahead and do that. And that's the thing is it's, it's, it's late. I'm sick of the laziness and the inconsistency. It's just – it's getting to the point where where I'm just it's it's almost like it's a slap in the face to Notre Dame fans like you don't even care enough about the people paying for your product to even do like I don't know one minute of research and the funny thing is he literally wrote those two things Sean in the same paragraph yeah it's he almost like Hartman a, and Travis in the same freaking paragraph it's almost like a quarterback predetermining where he's going to throw the ball before the snap. Mm-hmm. That's what these articles sound like when you read them. Like, you know what? They predetermined this after the bowl game. This is who they think Notre Dame is. They haven't watched anything that's transpired with coaching changes, transfers in, incoming freshmen, talent coming in. The offensive, they haven't looked at Notre Dame and watched anything to see what can be new and what can be better. No thoughts to it. And it's, let's keep Notre Dame right here in the mediocre pool. And what way can we keep them in the mediocre pool? And the articles from four different outlets pretty much sound off and say the same thing. Of course, I got Jordan Reed was looking at it from an NFL draft standpoint and not so much a tier standpoint right. of, you know, go ahead. Well, go ahead. No, no, not no, you from, from a draft standpoint. Which, you know, what he talked about with Sam Hartman is pretty much what we think he's going to be or end up in the NFL draft when he finally mm-hmm. enters his name into that. So he was fair, but I still disagree with some of the things that he said about the talent and the system and what's going to be done at Notre Dame with Sam Hartman as a quarterback. Right. And the, and so, like, when with the Jordan Reed comment, my issue with that had more to do, and I'm actually going to pull it up right now. I didn't agree with his ranking, but it's a different conversation. I thought because he had him in like the next next level guys, right? So he has Caleb Williams, Drake May, Quinn Ewers, Michael Penix, JJ McCarthy, Bo Nix. From an NFL draft standpoint, I'm totally fine having all those guys ahead of him. Here was where my issue was. Well, actually, he said it alphabetically. Here's where my issue was. He says Hartman's skill set aligns with well with the Irish's rhythm-based offense that focuses on attacking the intermediate areas. Did you watch the spring game? I mean, you, you know, I mean, like, did you watch what Sam Hartman did? He fits in he fits in well with an offense that works the intermediate part of the zone. The guy that's thrown more deep balls than anyone in college football the last two years is going to fit into an offense. Like, it's just even somebody who I respect, who I know puts in the work, has given me. Like, I don't have a problem with him being that next tier of NFL draft stuff. I'm not an NFL draft analyst. I, I couldn't tell you. But it's – it's I, my original issue was I looked at it and I saw, like, Carson Beck and Brennan Armstrong ahead of him. And then when I just looked at it, it said alphabetical, so, okay, no problem. But the bigger issue is, like, saying something like that. Like, did, did have you not did, did, like, two seconds of research into, you know, what Sam Hartman was at Wake Forest? Like, you're going to tell me Sam Hartman fits into an offense that, that attacks the inter- intermediate part of the zone? 
Right. Right now, I know he has a very high completion rate in the intermediate part, but like that's. I mean, did you make a call? Have you made any done any research to what Notre Dame is is, is transitioning to? Or are you just assuming now oh, they're just going to do what they do with Tommy Reese? Okay, mm-hmm. that's fine. Yeah. It, it just that's the frustration with it is just even someone who I like, who I believe puts in the work, gives me something like that. Let's let's. You sent me the the ranking the, this this article. I'm gonna I want to give people the quarterbacks that that they ranked ahead of Sam Hartman at the Athletic. Caleb Williams number one, no problem. Drake May number two, no problem. Michael Penix number three, no problem. That's my one, two, three. Number four, Jaden Daniels. Mm. If you care about big games, last I checked, I believe Jordan Travis is one and zero. Jaden Daniels, Daniels. Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, Frank Harris, number five. Now, this is what bothers me about rankings like this, Sean, is mm-hmm. I then have to start trying to criticize guys that I have praised in the past. And I'm, right. I have Frank Harris as my, in, in my top ten, but you're seriously going to put Frank Harris as your number five quarterback coming back in college football? Seriously? <laughs> you're going to put him as your number five quarterback? Not to mention – not to mention – that Frank Harris wasn't even pr- as productive last year as Sam Hartman was the year before at 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 Wake Forest when he played a full season because this past year Sam played uh, twelve games and the year before he played fourteen. Frank Harris played fourteen games this year. Mm-hmm. Frank Harris averaged well, let's see what is two hundred ninety passing yards a game. Okay, well he ran for six hundred and nine touchdowns. Cool. So the year before Sam Hartman in the same mon- number of games ran for almost four hundred yards and eleven touchdowns. All right, but Frank Harris, who I like, is your number five. And you're not going to mention in there that his best receiver transferred. You know, number six, KJ Jefferson. I like KJ a lot, but six, six. Now, let me tell you why. Let me tell you why KJ Jefferson is getting love. I'm good with him getting love. You know, he's getting love because you know how it is. They see value with the way the season went once he got hurt. Sure. So they're elevating them. And you can you can tell and it's an SEC bias. Mm-hmm. That's why Devin that's Leary a big is, part of it. That's yeah. why Devin Leary is all of a sudden getting this buzz. If he had gone back to an ACC school or state of North Carolina State, right? No one would be speaking about Devin Leary coming off that injury right. in the same light. But go ahead, go ahead. No, it's fine, but you can talk about KJ. And what happened to them when he got hurt? But again, this is why I hate about it because I, you know, I've been high on KJ since he was in high school. That's a guy that I wanted in the 2019 class over the guys they they win. I actually tried. He was one of the few kids that I've actually pushed on to Notre Dame. I said, look, you got to talk to this kid. Uh-huh. KJ sent me is like people. Say, well, maybe he's got bad grades because he's you know from the sticks and he's a Southern kid. And I'm like, mm, uh, I've seen KJ's report card. He sent it to me. He's taking real classes and is a three plus GPA. <laughs> Try again. You know what I mean? Like that ain't it. And, and it just was, so I'm a KJ guy, but, but you're going to put KJ at number six ahead of Sam Hartman. And let's not forget the game before LSU's offense fell apart. Or I mean, uh, Arkansas's offense fell apart against LSU. They lost 21 to 19 to Liberty in a game he played in where he threw two picks. So it's not like Kate, they were just this elite offense. He, he was the quarterback against Missouri when they lost to Missouri. He was the quarterback against Texas A&M and only threw for 171 yards in the game that they lost to Texas A&M. You know, so he ran for 100 yards. But, like, let's not act like K.J. was just its elite producer when he played. And he, he only missed two games last year. 
and he accounted for 3,288 yards. So in, in 11 games last year, K.J. Jefferson accounted for 3,288 yards. In 12 games last year, so just one more game for Sam Hartman, because remember, he missed the opener because of the health issue. In one game, in one more game last year, Sam Hartman accounted for 3,830 yards. So that's basically what 550 or so yards per, per game. And Sam Hartman averaged more yards per play as well. Okay, so fewer interceptions, different offense. It's a completely different offense. And, and uh, you know, give me – and oh, the other thing, too, is is KJ accounted for – what was his total? He accounted for 33 touchdowns. Sam Hartman accounted for 39 touchdowns a year before he had 50. I mean, so there's really no metric you can look at and say, well, hey, you know, this, this, this guy is this. And then here's who's number seven, Grayson McCall. Grayson McCall. Guy goes in the portal. Do you know why he goes back to Coastal Carolina? Because nobody wanted him. Because nope. everyone else that knows football actually watches film and realizes nice college quarterback that is the system of a of a bad conference and a guy that is, is a product of a, a system that allows him. Now, here's the thing about Grace McCall. You would say, well, the system is really good. Last I checked, Sean, correct me if I'm wrong. I say sarcastically. But I believe the head coach who implemented that system is gone. Yes. Also about Grayson McCall, the two best defenses, I would argue the two best defenses he played last year, two of the three best defenses for sure, last season were Marshall and Troy. They were two the two top 20 defenses. I believe the only two top 20 defenses he faced all year were Marshall and Troy. Okay? Against Marshall, he went 13 of 24 for 121 yards, one touchdown, zero picks. He averaged 5.0 yards per completion. Against Troy in a game that Coastal Carolina lost in the conference championship game by 19 points, he went 21, 29 of 41 for 319 yards, averaged 7.8 yards per attempt. That's it, three touchdowns and a pick. And if you watch that game, a lot of that production came like when they were down. So doesn't play well in the two in the two the two good defenses he played last year. Doesn't play well. And we're gonna have him number seven. Bo Nix number eight. Okay, fine. Then they have Michael Pratt from Tulane next. And then Devin Leary ahead of Sam Hartman. Michael Make Pratt. this make sense for me. And how are you gonna have Grayson McCall ahead of ahead of Bo Nix? Michael Pratt is one of those guys. If I'm not mistaken, I believe in the ESPN rankings, Cam Rising got love. He was like yes. a tier two. And yes. I'm like, okay, if this is a a career award where you're just giving a kid, you know, tier two analysis because he's tough, he wins games, and you just want to give him love for being that type of guy, a turnaround quarterback for Utah at that program, okay, fine. But if you're really doing an analysis of who he is as a quarterback, there's no way Cam Rising should be a tier two quarterback. I don't care if it's draft, non-draft, <laughs> comparing him to other guys. There are certain guys, the Pratt thing, coming off that win against USC and the buzz, I can understand him getting a bump. A game in which he went 8 of 17. Yeah, he didn't play well. But if you look at it, you would think, man, this kid made plays. 
Right. right. J.J. McCarthy is just part of two back-to-back winning seasons. You and I both know that it was Tajay Spears that made you plays know, in that game. Oh, absolutely. But, you know, you see the reasons why people can fall into these preferences with certain quarterbacks, which we all have preferences, right? Mm-hmm. You just said, you do. you love Devin Leary before the 23 season when he was at North Carolina State. You ranked him high. Yeah. I yeah. wasn't so high on him. So when it comes to these quarterbacks, yeah, we have these we have these preferences. I was high on Michael Penix before he played in Washington. Yes. I thought he would rebound. You, well, you didn't feel the same way. Well, no, I wasn't sure because right. of the injuries. That's right. was my was my thing. Is I I need to see how he's is health wise. Yeah, but there was no debating what he did when he was matched up with that guy in Indiana in the past. Right, and that was the question mark. So you know, this is what we come into, but this goes beyond preferences, right? Because now you're just—it's almost like you're just picking names out of a hat right. to put in front or just of looking Martin. at numbers. Yeah. Oh wow, Grace McCall, twenty-seven <laughs> touchdowns, two picks. Let's put him in there. And the thing about the Sam Cam Rising stuff, Sean, there's all this talk about oh well, you know, Cam Rising did this and Cam Rising did that. And look, I, look, Cam Rising is a gritty quarterback. But anyone that actually watches Utah play knows that they're not winning because he's putting that team on his shoulders. They're winning because they play great defense and they have a very strong ground attack. And if you're going to sit there and tell me, well, hey, they won. All right. The last two years, they've gone 20 and 8 at Utah. Do you remember what Wake Forest record was during that stretch? It was 18 and 18 and 8. Almost identical. And I would argue there's – bet be one to bet you there's a lot more dudes out of Utah getting drafted in the last couple of years than Wake Forest. Oh, yeah. Right? You better I mean, believe it. Cameron Rising's top receiver, top pass catcher, was a first-round pick. Sam Hartman's was a fifth-round pick. A.T. Perry went like the fifth round. Uh, so that's the, that's the other part of it is like – then, like you said, John, if you want to give a kid a career award because he's gritty and all this uh-huh. stuff, then apply it consistently yeah. and then rank the guy higher who actually – significantly outperform the other guy statistically definitely significantly outperform the other guy statistically like if you compare the statistics for cam rising and sam hartman the last two years sean they're not even in the same universe i mean it, it, there, there's no comparison like it's not even close i mean you're you know cam rising again look looking at cam rising the last this past year threw for 30 3034 yards 465 yards rushing so he had uh, 3,499 yards in uh, 13 games. Sam Hartman this past year had 3,830 yards in only 12 games. Cam Rising combined for 32 touchdowns. Sam Hartman had 39 this past season. So in every statistical category, Sam Hartman was a better player. And does anyone want to argue with me that if you put Sam Hartman at Utah and Cam Rising at Wake Forest, that the results are any different? At Wake Forest, they would be different. They wouldn't be as good because he's not nearly as accurate and productive as a quarterback as Sam Hartman. So it's just it's one of those things where there's just no. It's like it's a it's. It, I, but I will show. I believe, especially in college football, I believe in fit. Mm-hmm. Cam Rising fits Utah, right? Like the program, the right. grittiness. He he yes. fits Utah. And you know, you tip your cap to the young man because it's obvious when he hasn't played, sure, that that offense has been different. We saw that in the Rose Bowl, absolutely. Yeah. So, no, I understand you, yeah, he's a really good college quarterback, 
But to in say the fit been, part, the toughness, the grittiness. But absolutely. again, how's that any different than what Sam Hartman brings to the table? I mean, not, you're talking about a guy that had the issues he had uh-huh. last year. You're talking, you won't go talk about a guy that go watch Sam Hartman in 2018. Watch him against Notre Dame in 2018. Against Notre Dame, that first half, he <laughs> got man, they hit and, that man at least 15 times. And he kept getting up as a 185-pound freshman. Right. So again, it's if you're gonna if you're gonna have criteria, and you just laid out a potential criteria, mm-hmm. then how are you gonna have him there, and then completely ignore those same things when discussing Sam Hartman? Yeah, it's kind of like, does anyone think that Sam Hartman would be ranked as a tier four quarterback if he would have gone to Alabama? Does anyone really think that? If Sam Hartman would have picked Alabama in the transfer portal instead of Notre Dame, does anyone think that he would be a tier four quarterback? No. So that if your answer is no, then again, it comes down to it's a slap in the face, in my opinion, Notre Dame. That's Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. If Andy Lutwig was the offensive coordinator, would Sam Hartman be, be getting this ridicule? Yes. Yeah, I just have to ask. I just have to ask. Now, again, that's a 100% guess. I don't know the answer to that. I'm not a mind reader. Mm -hmm. I'm curious to hear your opinion too, Sean, but let me explain why I say no. Because I think when it comes to this, I think it comes more down to it's a Notre Dame thing. And do you, like, that's what it boils down to for me. It's a Notre Dame thing. And especially when you look at... um, the athletic rankings because they had Cam Rising below Sam Hartman. Now he should be. They also had Cam Rising as a tier four quarterback. And for all the the frustration I just had, I'll take Cam Rising over Grayson McCall any day of the week. Like it's not even close. Yeah, I think he was tier two on the ESPN list. Yeah, he was like I remember that five or six. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And and the inconsistency in which the the argument was made was just. Uh, really silly. I mean, your tier one was was Caleb Mays and Drake May. They had Cameron Rising number five ahead of Michael Penix. That's just, you know, I mean, that's just silly. It's absolutely silly. And some of this stuff just frustrates the heck out of you because I do feel like it. I And I used to try to push back on Notre Dame fans all the time. That's ah, not bias. It's not bias. It's, you know, look, they're just, they, you know, it, being wrong isn't bias. But it gets to the point where it's like either they're the laziest people in the planet, just throw stuff together and just, you know, like, oh, shoot, we're doing that top 10 rankings tomorrow. Crap, I forgot about that. Let me throw something together real quick. And then you just look at stats and then just like, oh, okay, whatever. Uh, And, oh, 13 of 30 against Florida. He must not have played well in that big game and completely ignore the fact he had 350 yards of offense and three touchdowns. And I don't know, they beat Anthony Richardson of Florida. I mean, we're just going to ignore that. Oh. He uh, outplayed and, and beat the guy that I had number four on my ranking at quarterback and Jaden Daniels come out day as an ESPN. Just some of the stuff gets to the point, Sean, where you're just like, I I can't even defend it anymore. It's just getting lazy. But I think it all boils down to it's an it's a constant assumption about the the, the very lazy assumption because I think a lot of it is just how Brian Kelly talked the program down mm-hmm. and they've bought into it hook, line, and sinker. And here's an example of it, Sean, and, and you and I talked about this before. They came out with a top 10 rankings list of the of defenses for 2023. Yeah. Now, listen, I do not think the Notre Dame defense should be a top considered a top 10 defense next season. That is not my argument. 
I am not making that. The Notre Dame defense has a lot to prove. Everybody knows how you and I feel about the Notre Dame defense going into the season. But we've also said it's not as bad as people think that it is. But here's here's some teams that they had ahead of Notre Dame defensively, that, who they had in the top 10. So I'm not arguing that Notre Dame should be in the top 10. I'm arguing that th- this is an example of just a clear bias. They had LSU ranked number eight in this ranking. Now, make that make sense for me, Sean. LSU last season, if you look at their numbers, gave up 354.6 yards per game last year on defense. Notre Dame last year on defense gave up 329.3, right? It's about 25 yards per game difference. And they had LSU gave up 5.3 yards per play. Notre Dame gave up 5.15 yards per play. Now, here's something that helped LSU. They held New Mexico to 88 yards. They held Southern to 262 yards. They held UAB to 259 yards, right? And so that pads their numbers. If you look at Notre Dame's three best defensive performances last year of the lowest yards they allowed in the game, it was Boston College, Clemson, and Syracuse. How are you going to have LSU, who gave up more defensive points than Notre Dame last year, ranked in the top 10, and Notre Dame doesn't even get mentioned as a others receiving votes conversation? Air Force received seven votes. Notre Dame received none. Now, I'm not arguing that Notre Dame should be in that conversation. It's just a continued bias of how are you going to have that? Do you know they had number nine? You know the answer because we talked about it. It's a rhetorical question. Texas A&M. Texas A&M was number nine. And and you just look at it, and again, it's the same story. Last year, they gave up 365.2 yards per game. Notre Dame gave up, again, 315 or 350. Excuse me, that was LSU. Notre Dame gave up 329.3. Over a 30 yard per game difference. Notre Dame also allowed a lower yards per game average. LSU held Sam Houston State to 998 yards and 3.6 yards per play. LSU held UMass to 168 yards and 2.6 yards per play. Literally the worst power, the worst team in college football, Division One college football. That's where their numbers came from. They held App State to 383, 315 yards. Last year, they held a grand total of one one power five opponent under 300 yards last year. One Texas A&M did. Notre Dame had one, two, three, four, five power five opponents that held under 300 yards last year. And yet A&M's ninth and Notre Dame doesn't even receive a vote. You understand? Like that's where I'm coming from saying, oh, hey, well, they got to do this. Michigan is ranked number Let's see, where's Michigan ranked? Michigan was ranked number two or three. And I'm not even arguing with that. I'm not even arguing with that. I'm not saying Notre Dame has a better defense in Michigan. But if you're going to say, hey, well, look what they did. You know, Michigan, Michigan's last year against Ohio State gave up 23 points, allowed Ohio State to have 492 yards of offense and 6.4 yards for play. Notre Dame held them to 21 points, led them to 395 yards, and 5.7 yards per play. I mean, the only other team that held Ohio State under 400 yards was Northwestern, and they did it because in like 75-mile-an-hour winds, 
and the game Ohio State was even trying to throw the football. You know what I mean? Right. So, like, where's your where's your common sense here? Where's your consistency? Notre Dame goes out there and holds Ohio State to 21 points, completely dominates Clemson's offense. Clemson's defense was in there too, by the way. The same one that Notre Dame. So, so this is a funny thing. Sam Hartman scores 45 points against Clemson. They lose. Notre Dame has a quarterback that throws for 86 yards, and they beat him by 21 points. And Sam Hartman's taking a step down to be on that team, <laughs> according to these, this analysis. Right. So it's not even me arguing that Notre Dame should be a top 10 defense. They shouldn't, they have not earned that, Sean. But just the sheer laziness and bias that goes into having those teams in there is what bothers me. And and this is this is the thing. This wasn't just one person's ranking, like the David Hale thing. This was 10 college football writers voted on their top 10. And and not one of them had Notre Dame in there, which again they shouldn't. At those other teams ahead of them. That's the thing that frustrates the heck out of me. Look, that's the one thing about this 2023 Notre Dame team. It is unproven. Hmm. There are a lot of facets about it that have yet to be seen. You don't know how it's going to turn out. You this can... isn't one of them, though. Like, no, on no, defense, that's not, not, one not, of them. not on defense. Yeah. But you can question, in my opinion, someone could question the defensive line. You know, because of what they lost in the seniors, they're like, okay, we don't know what these. If you're going to assume those other do. teams lost nothing, like LSU right. losing Mason Smith and Texas A&M having 47 right. transfers out, sure. Right. And then you ask yourself, who's the guy on the right. defensive line? Like they're going to say Harold Perkins. When you Harold Perkins is going to be the first name that comes out sure. of anyone's mouth. He's very good. He was on their defense last year. <laughs> He's darn good, right? He was on their defense last but year. But then you talk about the secondary. You talk about the talent at linebacker, even though the linebacker position has been inconsistent, what are we talking about? You're talking about a defensive line that they come in and play good. Just play good. Play solid. The defense is going to be formidable. If they supersede what we think they might do and we get one person on the defensive line to actually become a star, mm-hmm whether it's someone that was transferred in or that transferred in or someone that was developed. Now you're talking about something right. that's totally different because it makes the linebackers and the defensive backs even better at what they can do. I said it. I want Notre Dame to have a top 10 defense. Right. If they want to play for a championship, they if need they to be want in that play, conversation. Absolutely. They need to be in that conversation. Become a top 10 defense, but by all means, they should be top 15 at worst, in my opinion. This should be a top 15 defense. So the assessment is fine. But like you said, given the love to LSU. And Texas A&M. Texas A&M. Se- which, Texas A&M. Seriously. Texas A&M. Heck, you might as well throw old Sean, they in there up, if you're just going to start throwing names Lord. in there. They they gave up 41 points to Florida, who averaged fewer points per game on offense last year than Notre Dame did. They're going to tell you that was the quarterback at Florida, though. That that would be their excuse. Okay, but that quarterback led an offense that averaged 29.5 points per game last mm-hmm. year. Mm-hmm. They literally 
literally gave up 41 points. I'm going to say this again. They gave up 41 points. Texas, the Texas A&M did. They gave up 41 points. I'm going to, I'm going to pull this up. 41 points, 492 yards to an offense that averaged two points per game less uh-huh. than Notre Dame did last year with Drew Pine at quarterback for most of the year. Like, think about that. Like, that's not good. That's not good. And 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 yet they're a preseason top 10 defense, but Notre Dame dominates US. I mean, uh, uh, Clemson does very well for four quarters. Well, three and a half quarters. They got ran on a little bit late. We've talked about that. Yeah. Jude Ohio State to 21 points. Should they be in the top 10? No. Again, that's not the argument. But and, and if you're going to say like, okay, Illinois is in there. They were the next team receiving votes. If you're going to have questions about who's going to be the dude for Illinois, I mean, for Notre Dame, then we should be having – because of who they lost, and we should be having that conversation about Illinois, although they have a re- some really good players right. coming back. They have tackles coming back. But the tackles. point is, yeah. Yeah. you're assuming that they're going to just be better next year, mm-hmm. which I think is fair when you look at you know what Brett Bielema has a history of doing in the Big Ten and, and some of the guys they have coming back. But, but they also but lost give Notre Dame that benefit of the doubt? They also lost a D coordinator at Purdue. Right. That's true. As a head that's coach true. now, that's a whole other thing. True. Like, as much as I love, they bring tons of talent back in the front mm-hmm. seven. I like the youngsters. They got a lot of tick at the end of the season because Witherspoon and a couple of other guys were hurt towards the end of the season. They got playing time. So they have some youngsters that played in the bowl game, the defensive secondary, they're going to be pretty good. But other than that, I think <laughs> – Losing that coordinator is going to be right. huge, in my opinion. Right. Air Force was 12. Utah was 13. NC State was 14. Kentucky was 15. Ohio State was 16. Oregon State was 17. Yeah. And Oregon State and Ohio State only got one vote. So, like, one person ranked them 10th. So, that's fine. I'm not going to get into debating them. But when I just look at these, Sean, it just it gets really frustrating. It gets really frustrating to look at the breakdowns and just the laziness and, and just the lack of consistency of standard. I mean, you, yeah. you watch these teams play and like the whole the whole thing is made up SEC number one, Big Ten number two, SEC number three, Big Ten number four, ACC number five, Big Ten number six, ACC number seven, SEC number eight, SEC number nine, Big Ten number ten. Right, I mean, where's Clemson? Where's Clemson? Five. Clemson's five. Now, see, this is this. Clemson's at five, Mm -hmm. and I still feel like Notre Dame can push them around. Yes, because see, this is a this is and you're looking looking at talent real quick. And Uh Notre Dame starting quarterback this year also threw for. 337 and six touchdowns on them last year. So Absolutely. you're putting that running game that just obliterated them with a quarterback that lit them on fire yes. last year and onto one team. But, you know, he's a tier four guy. Yeah. So please. Continue. So my point is, you know, when you're looking at these defenses, these teams are playing in, inside a conference. Look, Michigan's going to have a great defense because they only play two games a year. Yep. So the defense is not facing much. Statistical. You're Statistically saying every year. Defense, okay. I mean, you can say the same thing for Ohio State, but at least Ohio State steps out and plays a Notre Dame. Yes. Oh, they've right? played Oklahoma. They've played – Absolutely. Yes. They, yes. 
Absolutely, right? So you understand that. Same can be said for the SEC. Alabama plays, what, two games? Yeah. Hey, and let's be honest, Jim Trestle has two national titles in his career if they didn't if they didn't choose to play Texas in a home and home. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So, you know, when you think about it, the statistics and what people are looking at as far as the defenses, they're trying to project, you know, based upon what they saw last year, what's left over, and what they're projecting moving forward. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's why Notre Dame falls short falls short a little bit. Because, of, you know, of, their rush defense right. has, it, has left a little bit to be desired. And again, the Sean, these two years. I'm not arguing that they deserve to be in the top 10. Absolutely. My point is you don't even give them mention, but you're going to thrust these two SEC teams in there that that have no business being in there. That's my that's my thing is like Notre Dame does not belong in that conversation. You have Florida State number seven. Why do you have Florida State number seven? You're projecting – how a bunch of newcomers are going to perform. That That's what you're doing with Florida State. Well, I think because, that was bolstered by the return. That was probably the return of Verse. But Verse played for them last year. But w- yeah. when, you, when you read it, like they're getting the kid from Western Michigan, which is a great pickup. I think Florida State has a chance to be there. My point, again, is the inconsistency. It's not even a beef with Florida State. Right. It's the inconsistency of application. Yeah. You're just going to assume that they're going to be impacted by all these transfers and things along those lines. And you say, well, Jared Verse is coming back. He's great. Well, Notre Dame returns a, some pretty highly ranked talent as well yeah. coming back, you know. And so it's just that lack of consistency that 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 these people have when when you're making these rankings. It's not even an argument that Florida State doesn't belong in there. I would argue that Florida State's defense was it has has to prove something to me as well, but. I understand that you like certain players. So, like, you talk about Jared Verse coming back. Sure, Jared Verse is a very good football player last year. Mm-hmm. But Jared Verse was also on the field when they gave up 38 points to Florida and 32 points to Oklahoma, you know what I mean, and 31 points to Louisville. And, I mean, so it's not like he wasn't part of what they did last year. He was on the team last year, and he was excellent last year. But he was on the field in those games where they weren't good. And see, that's the beauty you know, of college football, B., it's about styles. Like you can give me that top ten list. There's an offense that's going to give them all they can handle. Sure, you pick any top ten defense that's on that mm-hmm. list. I'll go get. I'll find someone on their schedule. Sure, that's going to give them but all they can handle. That's the point, though, Sean. Is they'll yeah. take something like that for Notre Dame, a bad game like that for Notre Dame, and just you know, hope we're going to yeah. just you know we're going to focus on the three interception game that Sam Hartman had against Louisville and ignore the fact he absolutely obliterated a, a, a top 5 defense last year yeah. in Clemson. Yeah. Right? And 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 you're going to sit there and say, "Well, he's he's actually regressing on the town. You're going to say he's not going to be surrounded by as much talent even though he's going to a team with no quarterback play to speak of in that game. Just obliterated Clemson last year offensively. Ran for 286 yards with no help whatsoever from the pass game. And you're going to put that quarterback with that run game, and you're going to tell me he's not going to, he doesn't have the, my question is the weapons around him, as if this is a freaking seven on seven tournament. We're just going to ignore the fact that the best left tackle in college football is going to be protecting Sam Hartman's blind side last year. You know, one of the 10 best returning centers in college football is going to be in front of him. The best tackle tandem in college, college football is in front of him. A position that, a tight end position where why doesn't Notre Dame get the benefit of the doubt? at tight end for replacing Michael Mayer that other teams do at receiver and running back when they lose big time players. Why isn't that happening? 
Well, my tight end production Notre Dame didn't start with Michael Mayer. He's the latest in a long now he may be the best in a long line of, but he's the latest in a long line of tight ends that's going to produce. Notre Dame has not had a starting has not had a season where their starting tight end did not get drafted since the 90s. I'm 45. I believe I was in a senior in high school or a freshman in college the last time that happened, Sean. Right? That's an amazing streak. Oh, you and I could have a large pizza on a Friday night and lose three pounds the last time that Notre Dame didn't have a tight end that was drafted. A season yeah. starting tight end that was drafted. Yeah. But we're just going to ignore that and say Sam Hartman doesn't have weapons around him. Can anybody here name who the Wake Forest tight end was last year? I know these guys writing these articles don't know who the heck it was. <laughs> And that's the frustrating thing for me is I just get really pissed off about that. And like the defensive thing, Sean, I I, I get the sense that you think I'm arguing that Notre Dame should be in that list. I'm, I'm not at all. No, 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 it's no, just, no, not at all. Gonna, how are you going to ignore them completely or, or have this standard for Sam Hartman when you're going to lift LSU and Texas A&M and these other type of teams well, up like that and say, well, but, but you know, but we're not going to mention Notre Dame. You're having Wisconsin number 10. But right? they're about name notoriety. Right? Look, I said it. LSU is getting a buzz because they got Harold Perkins. That's a big name. Mm-hmm. Right? And they have some other guys that have draft buzz. Florida mm-hmm. State, same thing. Right. Travel. Ohio State, same thing. They got two. They got guys that are Ohio first State, round picks. See, here's the James. thing. If you're going to talk about draft buzz, why the heck is Ohio State all the way down at 16? Because there's nobody in the country with more draft buzz for their defensive players in Ohio State. I've seen literally one. So I've seen – uh, J- uh, JT, I've seen Mike Hall, I've seen uh, Jack Sawyer, I've seen Denzel Burke, I've seen Josh Proctor, and I've seen Lathan Ransom. Six of their defensive you know, players. You want to know the why? Least first round of one draft. You want to know why? The, this is the inequity of all of this. I guarantee you, whoever put them at 16 is saying, go watch the three teams they play. Go watch the three good teams they play. Watch Penn State, watch Michigan, and watch Georgia. Mm-hmm. Defense didn't look that good. Which you could I then guess. say, to your point, you could say just about, like you said earlier, you could say that about just about anybody. About anybody. But I guarantee you they're hanging that over Ohio State's yeah. head. Like, yeah, okay, Penn State had a fourth quarter lead, put up 30. Georgia put up 40. Michigan put up 40. Mm. Defense, not so good. Even though you're returning the same guys, And what's so Wisconsin good. doing in this top 10? What are they doing in this top 10? They basically had almost identical numbers to Ohio State last year, don't have the same talent, and they don't have the defense coordinator. And, again, Look, that's that name recognition thing. You can't really use that for Wisconsin. No. no. Uh, you know who's laughing at that? You go ask – Go ask that Illinois offensive line about that Wisconsin yeah. defense that they ran yeah. through last year and got the coach yeah. fired. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's to the point, Sean, where you, you, you can find those games. But, I mean, yeah. Illinois, Ohio State last year had 539 yards, 52 points, and 7.7 yards per play against Wisconsin mm-hmm. last year. Absolutely annihilated them. Annihilated them. Yeah. You mentioned Illinois. I mean, they lost 34 to 10 to Illinois. How is how is Wisconsin's defense with a brand new coordinator ranked higher than Illinois' defense? Cincinnati didn't have a better defense than 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 Illinois last year. No. So so why are we assuming that they're gonna be better this year? I mean, I don't understand that. Like Cincinnati last year 
had a solid defense. Uh, that's it. In the AAC, a down AAC, by the way. And yet he's going to come to Wisconsin. He like literally this is just, all this is just so stupid. Oh, Wisconsin last year gave up 20.2 points per game last season, which was aided by the fact they gave up zero points to Illinois State. Zero. And seven points to New Mexico State. So the week that they beat thirty, you know, they beat Illinois State thirty-eight to nothing. Ohio State beat Notre Dame twenty-one to ten. A little bit different conference, comp, you know, comp, a little bit different level of play there. You know what I mean? And and it just it's disgusts me. And you're going to have them in the top ten after losing Jim Leonard, the architect of their of their recent seasons of success, with almost identical numbers to Ohio State. It just the whole thing is just silly. And I get tired of it. And that's kind of what the, the, the conversation about today is, is you're going to, you're going to look at this, com, this, this, these rankings and just, there's no, they just make no sense. Ohio state last year, the most points Ohio state gave up in the game last year was 45 to Michigan. Well, Wisconsin gave up 52 to Ohio state. The next highest point total that they gave up in the regular season in the, in the big 10 play was 30 to Maryland. And then after that, it was, or excuse me, 31 to Penn State, 31 to Maryland. Okay, those aren't great. Penn State gave up 50, or Wisconsin gave up 52 to Ohio State, 34 to Michigan State. Like, Michigan State, seriously. Michigan State gave scored 34 points against them. And you're going to have them as a top 10 defense. Like, I'm sorry. When you look at th- their production in the Big Ten, which is not a league known for juggernaut offenses, and the only the only good offense that they really played all year last year was Ohio State's. Wisconsin did not play Michigan, and they did not play Penn State. They didn't play either one of those teams last year. Neither one of them. They didn't play either one of those Big Ten teams last year. And the only so we t- Sean, you'd mentioned earlier, like there's the Big Three of of teams in the Big Ten. Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State. Wisconsin only played one of them and gave up 52 points. 52 points. And Ohio State called off the dogs. I know you watched that game. They could have hung another touchdown or two on them. Yeah. And yet Wisconsin's a top 10 defense. Like, if you look at the amount of points that Notre Dame gave up against the two best teams that they – the two best teams that they play – like, so I'll, I'll put it like this. Ohio State scored 21. Clemson scored 14, USC scored 37. They scored 42 points, 72 points in those three games. In the two in the two games that that against the the two best offenses ish that they played in the Big Ten last year, I would say Ohio State and Purdue. Would you argue that is the two best offenses that that Wisconsin played last year? Two best offenses. Those two offenses scored 76 points, 76 points against Wisconsin in two games. Notre Dame against USC, Clemson, and Ohio State gave up 72 points in three games. So, again, I am going to argue that I would take Notre Dame's defense over Wisconsin's in a heartbeat. And and their defensive coordinator is going to be Mike Tressel. I believe he went with him, went with uh, mm-hmm. Luke Fickle. Luke Fickle. Hey, well, Luke Fickle's known for having great defenses. Have they so, really had great defenses? Since so, basically, basically, they're saying, <laughs> once again, they're giving an award to a defense that annually until last year had pretty much been a top 10 defense under sure. Jim Leonard. Sure. Every other Jim Leonard, you guarantee, 
Wisconsin was going to be a top 10 defense. 19 to 21 for sure. Absolutely. Now, whatever happened last year, you know, going the coach gets fired in the middle of the season. Jim Leonard trying to figure out whether or not he's going to be the guy and whether or not they're going to go outside the program and all of this stuff. With all of that being said, maybe they feel like the foundation is still there. Like Jim Leonard's pieces are still there. And this is still going to be a solid defense. And they're attributing Mm -hmm. some of the fall off to the mess that was going on around the program. Maybe that's trying, that's the way they're trying to sell it because they believe in what Jim Leonard was able to do. But the greatness of Jim Leonard was getting the most out of less. Yeah. That was the greatness of Jim Leonard. So, you just can't sit back and say, oh, we right. got the pieces. Sure. Who's <laughs> right? New DC, but he's not Jim right. Litter. So that's the point. It's just the utter lack of consistency and bias in this is just ridiculous. It it just really frustrates the heck out of me. And that's the thing that frustrates me. So it's not it's not just the Sam Hartman thing. It's it's all of it. It's all of it. And that's what's driving me nuts. And it's like, I don't know how these teams have Notre Dame ranked in the top 15 when you then listen to them re- talk about Notre Dame. Absolutely. Their offense isn't going to be very good. They're, they have a tier four quarterback. Their defense isn't even the top 15 coming back units. Why the heck do you guys have Notre Dame in the top 15? At least be consistent. If you're going to tear down Notre Dame and, and act like they got nothing coming back, at least be consistent and put them in your 20s. Own that. Own that. You're gonna have. I mean, it just it's frustrating, and it is it is interesting. I think that this this discussion also to me is one of the biggest dichotomies I've ever seen between Notre Dame's assumption of what their team is going to be about and what the rest of the, the college football analysts are. Because when Notre Dame fans look at Sam Harbin, they're like, "This is the missing piece." Yeah, this is the missing piece. And nationally, it's like, yeah, but you know, he's taking a step down a little bit, you know. But the crazy thing about it, Sam Hartman is the most consistent thing throughout all of these pieces. Yeah. He is consistently placed in the same area in all four of the pieces that we've read and spoken about. Yep. But every other quarterback is interchangeable. Mm -hmm. I've seen J.J. McCarthy as high as second tier. I've seen him as low as the same tier as Sam Hartman. I've seen Cam Rising as second tier. All the other quarterbacks Mm – depending upon the preference, have been up, down, up, down. Yeah. Hey, I saw Joe Milton second tier on someone's list, which is absolutely laughable. But for some reason, Sam Hartman is, we're going to play Tim right here. Right. Why? Because we, honestly, we don't know. So we're just going to put him right here. And if he exceeds expectations, then we can always say, you know what? Had a great season, but they don't want to jump out the window and say what we are saying. Oh, right. Sam Hartman is going to definitely make a huge difference in this Notre Dame offense, right. and I don't know why you would give pause to that. Mm-hmm. Just go watch last year, right? Why would you give pause to that? You know what? I'll bet it is Sean. Again, I'll bet it. All it is is they look at stats. Because I've actually had Notre Dame fans say it, not not many. It's just the people that like refuse to ever say anything negative about anything. They'll look at Drew Pine and say, ah, 22 touchdowns, six interceptions. He wasn't that bad. 64.6 completion percentage. 
He wasn't that bad. Rush for a touchdown. He wasn't that bad. But they don't actually watch the games and watch film, and they don't realize just how bad the offense was last year. Again, you 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 beat Clemson 35-14. Had a pick six and all that. But like you ran for 286 yards against that Clemson defense with nobody out. Brian Bercy played. Miles Murphy played. Mm-hmm. Rook Aroro played. Tyler Davis played. The two preseason All-American linebackers played, and the other linebacker was a third-round draft pick last year, and Notre Dame ran through them like it was nothing for four quarters. You Clemson knew what was coming, and Notre Dame passed for 80-something yards, and it only got to 80-something because they threw that late touchdown pass to Michael Mayer for almost 20 yards. It was even less than that for a while. And at least, what did Chris Tyree have in that game, Sean? Chris Tyree, I think, had two catches in that game. Let's see here. Chris Tyree in that game had two catches for 26 yards. Those were both passes behind the line of scrimmage. So of Drew Pine's 86 yards, at least 26 of them were on throws he completed behind the line of scrimmage. Mm. And you rolled through the number five defense in ESPN's list like it was nothing. And, and, And a quarterback, isn't this funny? Clemson has the fifth best defense in college football coming back according to ESPN. But yet ESPN views Notre Dame's quarterback as being tier four, a guy that threw for 337 yards and six touchdowns against Clemson, who's now coming to an offense that ran for 286 yards against Mm -hmm. Clemson. And that's not supposed to mean anything. It's actually a step down for him. And that's what I come back to. It's just, it's like, you know, who's given him the most love so far? CBS sports ranks him fifth. Mm. Larry was the fifth best quarterback college football. That that's, my zone is four to seven, four to six. I could live with seven. No, excuse me, four to six. I could understand seven, but I can't go there. I, and I said that to John A1. I can't go there with seven because now you're doing major projection. There's more projection needed for Quinn Ewers to be in the top five than how will Sam Hartman adapt to the Notre Dame offense. That requires way more projection for, for Texas. So to me, I can but live with – You would May. agree from a – NFL scout standpoint, sure. there's no question. No question. So we're not talking about right. But, yeah, NFL scouts also thought Will Levis was a second-round draft pick <laughs> quarterback, and he was a terrible college quarterback. All right? I mean, like, I mean, well, he was an awful college quarterback. Hey, about interceptions. You... He threw as many interceptions as Sam Hartman on, like, 400 fewer pass attempts. Some absurd like that the last two years. So, you know, that's the thing for me, Sean, that that when I when I look at this, and you break it all down. It's it's just that level of just mental hurdles, like the the hoops that people have to jump through to try to justify all these weird positions. Like, so if I'm looking at rankings, here's who I would who I'm okay having ahead of Sam Hartman. Okay with obviously Caleb Williams because he should be should be if he's not your number one quarterback coming back next year, we need to have a conversation. Number two, you have Drake May. I'm totally fine with that. He was my Heisman uh, leader until about week nine. Or 10 last year. He faded down the stretch. Michael Penix, totally fine with that. I can live with Jordan Travis, although I would just remind you that Sam Hartman is 2-0 and in matchups against Jordan Travis. I'm okay with Bo Nix, although I would say Bo Nix has the one big year, and even that year he didn't produce the, the number of touchdowns and his yards per game wasn't as good as Sam Hartman's uh, last year. And it wasn't even close to what you know the overall production Sam Hartman had in 2021. I can live with that. And that's about as far as I can go. 
I, I that's so that's five. So that's where I get him being sixth. I can't I can't I can't go with anyone on Quinn Ewers if we're talking about college quarterbacks. Now, could he end up being there? Sure. But if you're going to say that, then say that this is my prediction for what it's going to look like at the end of the year. But I can't go with him ahead of him. I can't go with Jaden Daniels ahead of him. Not even close. I can't go with Cameron Rising even being in the same conversation at this point in time. There's just nobody else that I think you can make a fair argument for, in my opinion, to be ahead of him. Especially now, you could if he was at Wake Forest. Hey, Kate McNamara. <laughs> you know, it's an interesting question. I said this to somebody. I think Sam Hartman's a way better quarterback than Cade McNamara. Oh, however, however, I have argued this. Iowa has a bigger upgrade at quarterback from where oh, they were than Notre, than Dame? Notre Dame does. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Drew Pine was a borderline Heisman contender compared to <laughs> what they had. At Iowa. Oh, absolutely. Now, that's one of the worst Division One quarterbacks I've ever seen. I mean, he was awful. Absolutely. That's going to be a – this is a side note, and we'll wrap this up soon, but they had a really nice, sneaky, quiet, good transfer portal offseason. Getting Cade McNamara, Eric All, and Caleb uh, Caleb Brown from Ohio mm-hmm. State. Yeah. Those are three upgrades, big that upgrades. Is, that might be the sleeper team. Yeah, in the West. Dude, they're going to be well-coached on defense. Yeah. They're, they're going to be well-coached on defense. Their secondary, led by Xavier and Wonka, is going to be once again one of the best secondaries in the nation. So watch them. They're one of the teams that could catch. I'm not sure who they play out of the big three. I know they played, they almost beat Michigan yeah. last year at Iowa. It was a very close oh, yeah. game. It yeah, was yeah, a very yeah. close game. If they had any quarterback any play, any quarterback play, they had a chance in that game. So yeah, they play at Penn State. And they do not play Michigan or Ohio State. Okay. They play at Penn State, at Wisconsin, and at Nebraska. Oh, that's and they favorable. play Northwestern at Wrigley. And then they're they're at home against Michigan State, Purdue, Minnesota, Rutgers, and Illinois. Mm, that's so not, not an unfavorable and, and Iowa plays Penn State tough almost all the time. Mm-hmm. Like they've had some very, very close games in recent years. So, yeah, I mean, you're correct. And unless their offensive line just takes a huge step back, and it, it has not been as good in, in recent years. Yeah. They usually tend to play them very tough. I think the COVID year was about the only year I remember um, that game not being close, and that was an Iowa blowout. Iowa blew them out. Matter of fact, Iowa's won the last two games against Penn State. So that's going to be a tough game, a good game. It's not shocking at all. Yeah. But, yeah, th- th- so anyway, Sean, this is just kind of – we needed to we needed to vent a little bit today, and I just hope the Notre Dame players are taking all this in and just like it's like that scene from uh, which I was an otherwise stupid movie, but Billy Madison. I'm sorry, folks. I know a lot of you probably love Billy Madison. I just thought it was dumb. But the, the one scene that with, Bill, with Steve Buscemi where he calls him and was it was it Billy Madison where he calls him and apologizes to him, and he's got that list and he's just like, okay, I'm gonna scratch him off. He's not on my list anymore. I hope Notre Dame players, and I hope Sam Hartman's like taking lists. Okay, all right, ESPN, David Hale. All right, Stu Mandel. Okay, and just saying, we're going to show. We got something for y'all. That's my hope. That's my hope. And then we can look back at the end of the season and be like, "Yep, we tried to tell y'all. We tried to tell y'all what was coming." And if you want to watch the spring game, you'd you'd have had some idea if you just would have, you know, you had some idea what was coming. But I just, uh, 
I, uh, it, <laughs> I just am really looking forward to seeing what this team is going to be. Cause I, I think Sam Hartman, Jared Parker, the receiving core, you know, there's just, there's a lot of people that I think are just kind of getting talked down a little bit. Some of it's understandable, yeah. right? It's understandable saying, Hey, I don't know what Jared Parker is going to be this year. I absolutely totally fair. Totally fair. But uh, some of the other stuff is just like no, no mention of Audrey. Hey, you know, Sam Hartman is going to be playing. Like, here's what the narrative should be. Here's why I would, I have Sam Hartman, I think fourth, but I'm okay with five or six, but here's what it should be. You rank him there and you say, I don't expect him to put up the passing numbers that he has in past seasons, but the efficiency should take a jump and the turnover should take it should take a step down. If we're using common analysis, common sense analysis, right? Because he's playing with the best run game and line and defense that he's ever played with, and it's not even close. It's not even close. Like to me, that's how it should be. He doesn't need that level of production want, this season. Want the same plan with a better defense gives him more possessions to put up more points, turnovers, better special teams. Yeah, everything. No one wants yeah. to look at that. Yeah, no one wants to look at that. And that's what makes it lazy analysis, which is what a lot of ESPN has turned into, at least from a college football standpoint, and the writers and such. It's just there's too many people getting uh, there's too many people getting published that you're just like that. Just no, no. But anyway, Sean, that's going to do it for this portion of the show. We're going to have a mailbag coming up next, and we've got about ten questions in there right now. If you do want to get a question asked, go ahead and get that in there now. But before we leave, hit that like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification bell, share this podcast, sign up for the message boards at boards.irishbreakdown.com. Uh, Ryan is back off of his uh, two-week paternity leave. His little one, Raina, is doing very well and healthy. He'll be back tomorrow. With a uh, He and I will have a recruiting show tomorrow. Um, uh, uh, um, kind of recapping this weekend's visits and we'll kind of preview next weekend's visits and all that kind of stuff. And then we'll have some fun with that. So definitely join us tomorrow. It'll be at one o'clock tomorrow, uh, one o'clock. And Hey, if you have not done so, Sean, we need people to sign up for the CFB nation podcast app. We are going to have that off of the Irish breakdown podcast, probably by the end of the month, sometime in July at the latest. So if you are, are loving the, the lucky lefty show, the CFB all America show, some of the other things we're going to have planned. I had, uh, we actually took out our first question in Friday's mailbag, took it out and put it on the CFB Nation app because the first question took like 42 minutes, but it was like, what's your top 10? So we kind of went through our, our top 10 teams. We ended up like breaking out like 11 teams. So that'll be on there. We're going to have some shows coming out on that. So you're going to, can only find that coming up soon. You're only going to be able to find that on CFB Nation podcast app. So definitely make sure that you check that out. So you can get all the lucky lefty shows. Uh, and of course, you're already here. At the Irish for the Irish Breakdown podcast.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.